This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Christ said serve, he didn't just say serve generally. He said serve each other, people you know real well. Serve the body. Yeah, it's easy to go out there and serve people you don't even know and go away looking at we're the organization. We serve them. Let's go have our after serving party. Hang out. But what about serving each other? That's what he told them to do. Serve each other. Serve one another. It can be hard to serve each other, to love each other. Leave each other the benefit of the doubt, to forgive each other. But this is what we're called to do. Jesus set an example for us. We need to consider his example. When you think of volunteering, you probably think of serving at a church or a homeless shelter or at your child's school. Clock in a few hours of volunteering and then call it a day. But what about the family and friends we see every day? Pastor Troy reminds us that when Jesus told us to serve, it also means the ones closest to us that we may not think about. Jesus showed us the perfect example in how he treated his disciples. You may not need to wash somebody's feet today, but a helping hand in any situation can go a long way. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 13 as he continues his message, God's Memorable Moments. But who knows, maybe this is the purpose God brought you to where you're at. This is the purpose God gave you the money he gave you. This is the purpose God has given you the gift that he's given you. This is the purpose God has given you whatever it is you have so that you might serve him, so that you might make a difference in this moment or this event or this time. But there is a purpose And your life was intended to make a difference. And she was willing to put everything on the line. She knew that going to the king could mean her death. If he was was startled and frustrated, the king could have any woman he wants. He doesn't need to keep one wife. So when you go in there knowing, I don't have a lot of value compared to, you know, he can have anything he wants. I could die. You startle the king and you come and you're in rebellion. I didn't call for you. Kill this woman. You'd already done it once. Get rid of her. And so she says, you know, You're right. Have the people pray and fast. I will go into the king in a few days' time. And if I perish, I perish. If this is what God asks, then that's what I want to do. That's a sense of purpose and resolve, commitment. Your life matters. And you never know what difference or what deliverance God may use you for. Since your life matters, here's some advice. Spend your time well. Don't waste it. Don't squander it. You don't get it back. My wife always says, you know, land's a good investment because they're not making any more of it. You know, not printing any more land. Well, guess what? They're not making any more time either. Not for you. And once it's gone, it's gone. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, guard well your spare moments. They're like uncut diamonds. Discard them and their value will never be known. That means waste them. And their value will never be known. Improve them. Or might say invest them. And they will become the brightest gems in a useful life. 
what we do with our time. So it was framed by a sense of timing, and it was focused on a private gathering. That's what the Lord felt like he needed to do with his last time, because I'm sending these guys out. It's not about altar calls today. It's about ministry forever, until I return, until I come back. Look at verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. No godly moment is complete without an act of serving, without being involved, serving. During Jesus' time, everyone wore sandals. Now, I don't know about what kind of shoe person you are. I can see some sandals here today, lots of them actually. I'm not a sandal guy, but in Jesus' time, I would have been because that's all they had, barefoot or some foot coverage. I would have gone for foot coverage. I like a lot of coverage. I like tennis shoes. You know, you never know when a good football game is going to break out. (laughs) So I want to be ready. Or someone's going to come after you. I want to run. I don't want to be flip-flopping around. I want to run. So leave no evidence, you know, like Cinderella or something. But in Jesus' time, I would have definitely been a sandal guy. Because that's what they had. But they're open. And the thing about open shoes is they didn't have concrete roads like we did, you know, uh, there was a lot of dust. It wasn't like us. You could walk, you walk outside and go back in. Your feet are perfectly fine, maybe cleaner than they were before because of the grass that you got, you know, but not then. Back then, it was dust everywhere. Roads were dusty. When you walked, your feet got filthy, dirty, dusty, not only dirty and dusty, but dry. So at the entrance of most homes, They would often have a pot of water and usually a servant or the lowest man on the totem pole to wash the feet of those who would come in off of long journeys. Usually you would have someone, especially for special feasts where you'd have a lot of company, that was something that you did. We have coat racks today. They had foot washers then. And then if you had the money, if you could afford it, if you couldn't afford it all year, you would try to afford it this time of the year, you would have oils to moisten the feet again, and to provide a good scent. So they're in this upper room. They go to this upper room where at most places they might have someone able to wash feet. But for them, we read about this upper room that it was lent to them. It wasn't theirs. They were from out of town. They were going in. It was just lent to them. So they didn't have all of the physical setup, the usual setup that they might have if they had gone to someone's home, a familiar place. It was just them, guys and their dirty feet. But Luke gives us some insight into what was going on before Jesus takes it upon himself to wash their feet, to do this most basic act. This wasn't something that they had never done. This was something that was usually done. In Luke chapter 22, verse 24, now there was also a dispute among them, the disciples, as to which of them should be considered the greatest. So there in the room talking about, no, I'm, I'm going to be sitting at the right hand. No, no, you, you can't sit at the right hand. I'm the one, I'm his beloved, and I'm always next to him. He wouldn't even feel the same without my head on his chest. Well, I'm Peter. You know, so they would have this discussion, whatever it went like. They were talking about who would be considered greatest, and not one of them 
thought about taking it upon themselves to show this most basic, routine act of service toward one another. Not one of them thought of that. They were just thinking about greatness. Who got the better seat, the better position, the better role? So, while they are arguing about greatness, Jesus shows them what true greatness is. There are those who talk about things that need to be done. There are those who talk about how to fix certain things. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You is the operative word. Here's what you, you got, you need to, you need to change it. You need, you need to, lots of people who talk like that will provide that. But then there are those who do the things that need to be done. They help fix things. They see a need, they meet it. I might put it this way. There are the complainers and the helpers. You notice which ones businesses want? What is it they put on their window? Complainers wanted. Hey, complaints wanted. No, help wanted. They want the helper, not the complainer, not the one who says, you need to fix this, you need to do this, you need to change it. I can see it, man. I can see it all. Why don't you get down and do something then? If you see it, pick it up. Do it. Help. Guys, there are enough complainers. What God's kingdom is looking for is doers. In fact, I can say we could do things a lot better if we had more doers. You know, think uh, one person in church is taking on four different roles, trying to do four things well. We want to do everything we do really well, but they're doing four things. They can't do it as well. Maybe it's mediocre, but not, the effort's not mediocre. The effort is outstanding, but the results are mediocre because they're divided, very divided. And so they put their best only to find the complainer come in and go, well, you could do this better. You could do this different. Well, why don't you get involved then? Because if you did, I could take two things and I could do those much better. And you could take two things and they could be done better. In fact, you got a gift for those two things. I don't. I'm just trying to survive because they're in need. Guys, as Christians, we shouldn't be complainers. We should be doers. If there's a need, if there's a need for help, let's help. Let's do and not talk about. Don't ever talk about something you weren't willing to help with. Because I'm going to tell you, anything you complained about that could have been done better and you didn't help, that's on you. You're condemning yourself. As Christians, God has called us. His disciples were arguing about greatness. Jesus takes up some water, girds himself, the Lord God Almighty. And he scrubs dirty, filthy feet. Now, I don't know if you've been around feet. I don't want to do something like that. Now, fortunately, the only thing is sandals do make nicer feet to wash than Nikes. You know, closed-toed shoes, you want to talk about washing feet. I'll put tears on your face, and I don't mean tears of joy. But doers. Doesn't the Scripture say, don't be hearers only, but doers of the Word? I wish you had put, hey, don't, don't be complainers only. Fix it. If you see a mess over there, trash on the floor, put it in the trash. It's right next to the trash. Someone missed it. Put it in there. Instead of complaining about the people who don't. This was a job, this washing of the feet for the slave or for the lowest person on the totem pole. But on this night, this memorable God moment, Jesus showed them what was truly great. They would look back and reflect upon this. They would remember this stuff, trust me. 
This night stuck out. This night they, they wrote about in their Gospels and they explained in great detail. This night we learned that the truly great don't talk. They act. They serve others. They don't complain. They see the need and they serve. If you know who you are in Christ, then you don't have to try to prove yourself to others. You don't have to try to talk yourself up. You don't have to try to talk others down. If you know who you are in Christ, you can gladly pick up trash and just serve because you know who you are in Christ and it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks of you. Stay tuned to hear more from today's teaching on building on the solid rock. Pastor Troy Neely has been sharing insights from God's word with us and he'll have much more to share in the next part of this message. We're so glad you tuned in today and we pray you've been encouraged and challenged by what you've heard. If you've been touched by this program or if you have any questions about Building on the Solid Rock, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can also find out more about this program by visiting buildingonthesolidrock.com. Listen to previous teachings as well and even subscribe to our podcast. Now, here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. Now let me ask you this, to make it a little more personal. Is there anything that you might consider beneath you? Is there anything you might consider a menial task for your position or experience or age or place in life? Let me go further. Is there anyone in your life you find it hard to serve or or to love or to forgive? For many, it can be your own spouse, you get a little close to each other, you know, and it's like, a, it's like you're always jockeying for position now. And it can be hard to serve each other. Well, I want you to consider the example Christ said. When Christ said serve, he didn't just say serve generally. He said serve each other, the people you know real well. Serve the body. Yeah, it's easy to go out there and serve people you don't even know and go away looking at we're the organization. We serve them. Let's go have our after-serving party. Hang out. But... What about serving each other? That's what he told them to do. Serve each other. Serve one another. It could be hard to serve each other, to love each other, to give each other the benefit of the doubt, to forgive each other. But this is what we're called to do. Jesus set an example for us, and we need to consider his example. We need to do this, humble ourselves and do this to the point, serving to the point that Christ can be seen in our life. You know, it, it, it's not you against them. It's not you versus them. Maybe God's called you to serve, even though maybe they should. Maybe they should do that. But maybe God has let you see it and said, I want you to do it. And I want you to humble yourself. And I want you to serve because this is going to be one time. They don't know it now. Just like Jesus said to the disciples, you don't, you're not going to understand what I'm doing right now, but you will. This will be one of those times where through your life, I want them to see me. At a later point in life, they're going to look back. This is going to be one of those God's memorable moments for them. And I want to use you. We never know. So it featured an act of serving, God's memorable moment. It was also filled with shades of meaning. Things were going on in that place that night. They had no idea. They were going to look back and go, oh, that's what that meant. That's what that was. That's what, look at the pictures all over the place on that evening. The serving, the Passover lamb, the washing of the feet and, and, and the symbolism. 
and then the communion, the breaking of the bread and the, and the, the cup. All these would give their minds at the right time It would put something in their minds so later on when they look back, they would realize something has been seared into my mind and my heart by God himself that I can never deny or forget. God did it. See, God loves them. God came for them. Christ died for them. Go to the cross for them and save them from their sins. That's what the cross would express in full. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't have to condemn the world. We were condemned already. And Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn. My word, which is bringing light to you, is going to bring your condemnation. But I came to seek and to save. I came here for you. That was the heart of of all of this. And there are always those God moments for all of us. What we do in those moments, how we respond to those moments can do some great things in our life, in our heart. They could change us forever. But let me tell you this about them. If we harden our hearts like Pharaoh did, these moments can serve to harden us, make life very challenging, very miserable. And so let's look at the last thing. It was uh, foiled by a sinful plotting. By sinful plotting. Verse 2 says, And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Why was it that this was even added? Everything was going so well. This was a wonderful night. Man, inspiring. People could get saved without seeing Judas's story. Why was this here? Well, it seems that this helps us to contrast and to be able to see, recognize the difference in two philosophies. The devil's philosophy and Jesus' philosophy, they were very different. One, an act of sacrifice, service. The other, an act of selfishness. When selfishness reigns, trust me, it's not the Lord leading. One thought of everyone but himself. The other thought of no one but himself. When we consider others, that's Christ-like. When we think, I need to do this for them, that's more Christ-like than I need to do something for me. God will lead you beside still waters. When you need something for you, God will do that for you. God will lead you. But you got to get your eyes on him. You got to listen. Because he is the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me to the green pastures. He leads me where I need to go. But when it's time to work, in the midst of working, I can't go, I need some me time. I'm getting tired. God knows, and he knows how much you can handle, and he'll push you to the brink to work you out, to cause you to trust in him. But he will also lead you beside those still waters. Do not miss those. I know some of us, we like to push through. We're hard workers. We won't stop for anyone. But the Lord leads us beside those still waters, and we need to listen and rest when he says to rest. It may not feel like time to rest. You may feel like you're not obeying. You know, like, oh, no, th- people are going to think I'm lazy. Hey, he'll lead you beside. Trust me, we know when you're lazy. We know lazy. But there are times, yes, there's something you could do, but it's time to rest in the Lord. And the Lord tells us when that is. One side, the motto was give. And the other's motto was take. You see, When the light shines, when the light of Christ shines, those who love the light are humbled. 
They're humbled by it, and they're drawn to it. But those who prefer darkness, they're not humbled, they're heated. They get frustrated, they get upset, they went out of there. When you get away, trust me, that's not the heart of Christ. That's the enemy. They bail like, like we see here. Judas leaves this night. Maybe Judas was thinking, you know, I don't know if I really want to go through with this. But then Jesus is washing feet. Man, he looks so wimpy, so weak. Man, I can't follow a guy like this. And then for whatever reason, he goes and he fulfills. When the light of Christ shines, the humble are drawn to it. Let me give you a few principles to walk away with in light of this message. One, learn to place more value on personal relationships. You're called to minister, but don't seek crowds. Minister to those God has placed around you. Pour into their life full time. Pour into their life. That's your ministry. A job, that's just to make a living by. That's so you can pay for a house and those things. But if it becomes what consumes you, that's why your family's a mess. So provide, but minister first. Ministry is your priority until we all end up in heaven. So learn to place more value on personal relationships. Two, learn to redeem the time. You could use that extra time you have, whatever time that is, to chill out and veg, not think, turn on the TV and just veg. Or you could honor the Lord with that time. What you do with your free time really speaks about what's important to you. You know, it's okay that God's on your schedule. But when you got free time to do with whatever you want, then how important is he? What do you do then? You know, if you do that, what seems like a normal day or normal night could actually become one of those very memorable moments, an extraordinary time. Also, learn to see the opportunities to serve. Learn to see them. They're there. You may have the position, rank, authority, power, excuses to leave all the serving to everyone else. All the reason in the world, all the excuses, all the justification. But when you choose, even though you have that, when you choose to lay it aside and serve, that's not just serving, that's Christ-like. Laying it all aside. Look what we read, Philippians 2, 5 through 9. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but uh, instead made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming into the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name. So do you see what God exalts? Do you get it? We wear ourselves out. Paul the Apostle said, I am poured out like a drink offering. I have been spent. I am spent being willing to be spent, but all for the glory of God. So my time is to serve, and then he will take me home. When you choose... You could take all that time and relax. We've even named it me time. It's me time. I need some me time. You could also say, you know what? I outrank you, so you do it. I outrank you. You're kids. That's what kids are for. Whatever. But when you choose to serve, when you choose to set the example, you see the need and you do it. What this does is you minister to others. You redeem the time instead of wasting it. And you seize the opportunities to serve. You see them and you seize them. 
God isn't into lazy servants. God wants effective, efficient, faithful servants. When you start to live that way, guess what? I'll bet you, you'll find yourself experiencing more of God's memorable moments and not wasting time, but redeeming the time. Hey, we're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Troy's teaching in the book of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll also find an archive of previous messages from Pastor Troy, as well as information about this radio ministry, Building on the Solid Rock. You might be interested in the church behind this ministry as well, Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to meet you and for you to be a part of our weekly services. For the latest service times, please visit our website. You'll find a link to Calvary Chapel Solid Rock at buildingonthesolidrock.com. From all of us on the production team at Building on the Solid Rock, we'd like to say thank you for tuning in today. We pray you continue to seek God during these times of uncertainty and that you explore what He wants to teach you in His Word. Join us again as Pastor Troy continues sharing from the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come